You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So I want to touch on, um, I think, the topic of tithing, the tithes, and uh, from Malachi 3, we know that the Bible says you are cursed with a curse. Is this the truth? Is this a myth? What does the Bible say um, about that? When you look at 2 Chronicles 12, verse 14, and he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The Bible is talking here about King Rehoboam, that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart. So many times we have to prepare our hearts. You have to decide, what am I going to do? So young people, you have to decide before the time, what am I going to allow when it comes to relationship? If somebody takes me out on a date, if you don't purpose and make these decisions before the time, prepare your heart before the time. In the heat of the moment, your emotions can take over and let you make a decision. So sometimes you have to prepare your heart before the time. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So you prepare your heart to be loyal. When you've purposed in your heart, I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to put God first. I know it's about my heart. God sees right into your heart. When it comes to finances, tithes, and offerings, it's not a quick reach scheme. It's about relationship, putting God first. Remember, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Our giving should be in spirit and in truth in humility and sincerity of heart. So the Malachi issue, let's have a look at it. Malachi 3 verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Cursed with a curse. Now remember, I said, when we look at things like this, In the Old Testament, we have to look at Malachi through the cross. Because the Old Testament is a shadow and a type. Whereas the New Testament is the substance. If I want to explain to you what Belinda looks like, but I explain what her shadow looks like, I can make a lot of mistakes. But if you've got the substance then you won't make mistakes. So we have to view everything through the cross, through what Jesus Christ did. So turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 3 verse 13. It's all about relationship. Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Old Testament, we're under the law. When the law came, sin revived, I died. A matter of fact, how the law works, if you think of a a necklace of pearls, and there's ten pearls on this necklace, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The Bible says, if you break one of them, you are guilty of all of them. So it's almost a string of pearls. If you break one, if you cut it, All of them fall on the ground. But under grace, 
Christ has become the substitute for us. Now we're under grace and we are not under the law. So even when you give, you want to give from that position of grace and not law. So the Bible says through Christ's death, he absorbed the curse, is the one, what, what the one translation says. So the curse has been removed completely. Turn to the person next you say, the curse has been removed. The blessing is greater than the curse. Light expels darkness. That's what the Bible teaches us. So Romans 3 verse 23 teaches us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what is this all about? It's about restoring glory back to mankind. Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given them so that the world will believe. When there's a mess or in your finances, in your health, um, when God's glory manifests, it puts an end to it. So everything is about God's presence. It's about God's glory. Amen. In the Old Testament, when David sinned, what did he pray? He said, do not let your Holy Spirit depart from me. So in the Old Covenant, if they sinned, if they messed up, God withdrew from them. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So this is what it's all about. It's, it's about this relationship that we have with God. When you look, I think it's 1 Samuel 4 verse 21, the day the ark was captured, a child was born and they called the child Ichabod. Ichabod means God's glory has departed. God's glory has departed. So a curse for us or let me rephrase it, to be blessed. The blessings of Abraham is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Relationship being restored back to God. We have God's glory again. This hidden secret on the inside of us. The hope of glory, Christ himself. The person that was highly favored, highly anointed is Jesus Christ. Now when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and he's in our lives, you've become highly favored. You've become an anointed one of the Lord. Amen. So Ichabod is when God's presence departed. So a blessing is to have God's presence, to have God with you, to have his peace on the inside. A curse is when God's presence is withdrawn. That's truly what a curse is when you don't have God. So, when we look at this, the Bible says you are cursed with a curse when you don't give. That curse has been absorbed. So, God does not curse you anymore. People think, oh, I've got this curse upon me because I've not given. That's not biblical. Christ has absorbed the curse. Unless you're telling me what Christ did on the cross was not sufficient. But the Bible says it's a complete work. So let's view and look at this from what the Bible says. If you, well, let's just go on. If you go from verse 14, Galatians 3 verse 14, it says that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's you and me. That we might receive the promise of the 
Holy Spirit. He says, this covenant was made with Christ, the seed, 430 years before the law. So tithing started out of a relationship that Abraham had with God. Later on, they turned it and made it a law. But we know when the law came, sin revived, and I died. Giving is not a law. It's a principle. A law does not produce life. But the principle produces life in our lives. Amen? So when we talk about tithing, it's always about the test. So let's read again. Malachi 3. Let's read from verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. God says, because I don't change, you're not consumed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the God that wants to bless you. I'm the God that wants to help you. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Now remember, what did he teach them? He said, when you offer that first fruits, teach your children that. Tell them that we're in a relationship, that we're in a covenant. Teach them to put God first. He says, you've not kept these ordinances. You've gone away from me. You're not in a relationship with me anymore. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. He says, get back into this relationship. Says the Lord of hosts, but you say, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Says, return back into this relationship, this fellowship, where we can see the outward sign of what's going on inwardly in your heart, where you're putting me first. It says, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now, and this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. So we have to look at this now through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So God's word is true. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you give your tithes now, or you don't give your tithes, God is not going to curse you. But when you honor God and you put God first, he puts his presence upon that. And that's what you want. When God's presence is there because he's restored glory, when you obey the word of God, angels hearken to the word of God. It says, now I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. That's what you want to do. So when you give now, it's out of that relationship, God places his favor and his blessing upon it. It says, if the first fruit is blessed, the whole lump is blessed. So you must ask yourself, do I want God's favor? On the, of when I give unto God the tithe which is holy, that favor and grace rests upon all my finances. Or do I want the 100% where I don't have God's presence upon it? Because when you have God's presence upon it, 
God will have mercy. His blood will speak for you. His favor will speak for you. His presence will go before you. It's a fire around you that irritates, frustrates, blinds, paralyzes, consumes the devourer that wants to come against you. The fire goes before you and burn up your enemies round and about. The light of God's favor starts to shine upon your ways. And you see the supernatural by just obeying God's word, putting God first. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have to put God first. The Holy Spirit, Acts 5 verse 32 says, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So if you want the presence, the working of the Holy Spirit, in your finances, in your business, whatever, your marriage, the obedience, it was Abraham's obedience that was accounted as righteousness. So all that God is saying, he's saying, I want my presence upon your finances. We cannot rob God. I think now as a new covenant believer, you can rob God from the opportunity to bless you when you're not sensitive what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Because God knows what the future holds. He can say to you, I want you to go plant this. I want you to help with this. And as you do that, it releases a miracle in your life. Many people can give testimony. God told me, go sow this, go plant this, and it opened a huge door for you, bigger than what you could ever imagine. So God wants his presence upon your finances. When his presence is upon your finances, that's the promise that was made to Abraham, not money and cars and houses, the working of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is now upon that 90% of your finances, God says, He'll multiply it. He'll be your shield. He'll be your protection. He'll be your exceedingly great reward. Amen. The first time anybody gave a tithe, it's Abraham. It was out of relationship. It was out of relationship. So it's almost when you come and you acknowledge that the tithe is holy, then the tithe, the tithe is holy. But when you don't acknowledge the tithe is holy by bringing it to the Lord, then it's not holy. So it's all about putting God first. Um, it's almost like God is saying, let it be according to your faith, what you believe. If you believe you're giving it unto me, it will be holy. If you're not giving it, then it's not holy. God wants you to be blessed. Now we start robbing God from the opportunity to bless us. God is rich beyond your wildest dreams. But we almost have to look for those opportunities. Give, and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaken together, will men give into your bosom. The measure that you use is the measure that will be used back to you. Amen? He says here, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. So the tithe that you bring, you bring to the storehouse, that is where you are planted. That is your church. You give your tithe here. If you remember here, you give your tithe here. You don't divide it at different places. Oh, this guy's going through a tough time. You don't go eat at the KFC. And because you know chicken, whatever, is going through a tough time, you don't eat there and go pay there. Hmm? 
They're going to throw you out. We won't throw you out. We'll still love you, but don't be ignorant. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? God says bring all the tithes to the storehouse so that there might be food in my house so that we can do what we have to do. Amen? So that's the principle, the way that God operates. In Galatians 6 verse 6, it says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. You know what that means? It means that the person that is sharing with you the blessings that you are receiving, that which you are receiving, remember to share with that person as well. That's what it says. Paul says, don't muzzle the ox that treads the grain. So one of the reasons why you bring your tithes and your offerings to the church so that the pastor can spend more time in the Word to prepare to be ready for you. So if you're eating a good diet here, be a good giver. Amen? It's a simple principle. If, you, if you're getting a good meal, give a good tithe. And tithe is 10%. Everything more than the tithe is your offering and the things that you are sowing, free will offering. So your tithe is what the Bible says, bring it to the Lord. The Lord said 10%. He could have said 15%. He could have said 20%. But he said 10%. Amen. So purpose that in your heart. Because when you give that and you put God first, he puts his presence, he blesses the first fruit that you are offering. Amen. So tithing in the New Testament, I just want to touch on it quickly, because some people say tithing is not in the New Testament, but tithing is definitely in the New Testament. Tithing is not a quick rich scheme, but tithing is New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So it doesn't matter whatever you weigh, you see it. Jesus is saying here, you ought to have done this. Since this is just what we're talking about. Tithes, you ought to do it. It's part of a Christian's life to honor God with the tithe, with that 10% that you bring. A tither is, I'm going to say, just part of where every born-again believer is. The mistake that we now make is giving is out of a relationship. But sometimes people don't have a relationship, but they give. And now we think, wow, this person must have a good relationship. Never link your spirituality to how much you have and what you give. It's linked to your character and your obedience to the Word of God. Amen? It flows out of a relationship. Hebrews 7 verse 1, I want you to go there, and I want to read through this so that you can see what it's really all about. So when I look at Scripture, when you acknowledge your giving, many people can give, but when you give us unto the Lord your tithes, God's favor and blessing rests upon it. God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. And the reason for that is God said to Abraham, I'll be your shield, I'll be your protection, I'll be your exceedingly great reward. It's about this relationship. Hebrews 7, 
verse 1. For Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. It's this relationship again says he brought a tenth part, a tithe, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Can you see that when you are giving, you are giving unto the Lord? You're not giving unto a man. You're giving as unto the Lord. Everything that you do, you do as unto the Lord. When you're aware of God's presence, your behavior will change completely. But people are not aware of God's presence. When you're aware of God's presence on your finances, you'll be quick to put God first in everything. The Bible teaches in Hebrews 6 and 11, Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, how will God entrust to you true spiritual riches? It's the only time God compares himself to something is when it comes to money. Because he knows money can become the God in your heart. You can put money first before you put God first. No servant can serve two masters. You'll either be loyal to money or you'll be loyal to God. And nobody will know that, but God will know in your heart. If you're putting God first, if you're honoring him in everything, don't let money become your God. Next week, I'm going to touch on the love of money. Money in itself is not evil, but it's the love of money. When you start loving money more than God, God says, I'll be your silver. I'll be your gold. I'll be your exceedingly great reward. Not all these things that you are running after. He says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. He says I know you have need of these things, but put me first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. The man at the gate, beautiful. Peter and John, I touched on it. said forget about this. Don't focus on money. Money is not your answer. Jesus is your answer. Simon the sorcerer, he wanted the Holy Spirit to get money. That's what's happening in the churches today. People want to use the anointing to get money. Your heart is wrong. Freely you've received, freely you give. So we'll touch on those, on those things because those are all principles. If you apply the word of God, it will work. We have to honor the word of God. When his word abides in you and you abide in him, you'll ask him whatever you want and he'll do those things for you. Amen. So number one, first fruits belong to God. Secondly, tithing belongs to God. So I think, let me give some advice just concerning this because people ask some questions. So, the Bible talks about all your increase. 
let's say you're working, um, or let me use another, say you have your own company and you're drawing a salary. So from that salary that you earn, you pay your tithe. That's an increase that you've received there. That's your salary that you receive, and from that you pay a tithe. But say now in your business, you have a lot of expenses and everything, so once a year or monthly, whatever, in your business you can also tithe. Because then the favor of God rests on your personal finances, and it also rests upon um, your business. So let's say, I'm just using, let's say um, you, you're planting trees, using simple examples. Say you're planting trees, um, or building roads, or whatever your company does, or printing, or what doesn't matter what you're doing. If your profit is only 10%, so say you, say you do a deal of 10 million rand, I'm using a big figure, 10 million rand, but your profit is only 900,000. You cannot give a tithe now on the total project of 1 million because you're going to run it 100,000 rand loss. Do you understand? So it's the increase of all your fruit. So if you, simple example, if you're buying a bottle um, at 1 rand, you're putting cool drink in there that costs 1 rand, so it's costing you 2 rand and you're selling it at 3 rand, then there's one rand's profit. So from there, you can give your tithes, okay? I think it's more about the willingness to put God first, to say, God, I want to put you first. Sometimes I've heard people say, Lord, I really want this contract. Um, if you give me this contract, say there's a bigger amount of profit, I want to give half of that. When you make vows like that, God has not asked that of you, you doing it yourself keep to it. I can assure you now, if you've made a vow like that, the test will come. The test will come. Ten speaks of test. The ten commandments, the ten plagues, the tenth that you have to give, it will come every month. Will I give the tenth? Will I give it first? That test will come every time. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus loves you. Say, don't give up. Jesus loves you. Look at this. I shared with you um, previously, um, I've had many testimonies of people that give their tithes when they go through a tough time, they'll find themselves on a solid foundation. It's not a quick, rich scheme, but it's finding yourself on that solid foundation. David built a beautiful house for him, he's, for himself. He's in the house and he said, I live in this beautiful house. I want to build God a house. And the prophet comes and he says, you can build God a house. And then he said, but you can get all the material, but you cannot build this house. David, you've got too much blood on your hands. You've killed too many people. I mean, you always think he's the guy that brought peace to Israel, killed all the Philistines, sorted out everybody so that they could have peace let him have his moment. God said no. It's one of those things that we don't understand. He says, this temple is a holy temple. It's a place that must bring life. But David, you can prepare everything. When you think about it, he almost had reason to get offended. I must get everything ready and my son's going to build it. He could have said, you know what, Solomon? You do it. <laughs> but he didn't. He had a heart to build God's house. A matter of fact... Because of that, we have the Davidic covenant. We, in short, it says, because you were prepared to build God a house, 
I'm going to build your house. David, because of this, you'll see there'll always be one from your descendants will be a king. And you can go read the Bible. It says this one was wicked. This one was evil. This one didn't do God's ways. He did not have a heart for God. But because of my servant, David, the person became king. So it's when you build God's house, God will build your house. So when the people came to give, they gave with all their hearts. In the, in the Dakes Bible, I can, uh, you can go there, but it, it says there that the people gave 166 million U.S. dollars. And for us in rands, that's 2.8 billion rand. So you can see when these people started giving, they, they were not playing around. The Bible says David, out of his personal capacity, gave 100 million U.S. dollars. That's 1.7 billion rand. 2 Samuel 24 verse 24, David said, I will not give anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. That costs me nothing. So here, when they came, they gave with everything. They gave what their lives depended upon. It, it almost seems like they gave beyond their ability because they said we wanted to build a house for God. So the tithes, the offerings, the Bible says, should come into the storehouse so that all the needs in the house can be met. Amen. So you have to give your tithes. You have to do your first, your first fruits as well. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 12. I love this scripture. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Turn to the person next to you and say, strength to all. That means it includes me and you. David is almost saying, yeah, he's saying, Lord, everything that we are giving to you, we're just giving to you what you've given to us. The things that we are blessing the house of God with. You've actually the one who has blessed us already. Because you've blessed us, we can bless the house of God. And this is what it's all about. God is all about the relationship, restoring back the relationship with, between man and God, restoring back that glory into your life. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory, Father, that you've given me, I'm giving it to them. God wants to restore back the glory, not only in your life, in your relationship, but also in your finances, for your, His presence to rest upon your finances. So when you start applying these principles of tithing, of giving offerings, um, hearing what God is saying, that which you make happen for other people, God will allow those things to happen in your own life. God is looking at our hearts. David was a man after God's own heart. I mean, can you imagine coming here and saying, my son, you're going to build this house. But I'm telling you, we're going to get everything ready. Yes, all the people are going to give 1.6, um, uh, 106, 166 million U.S. dollars. I'm bringing 100 million dollars because I want to build God's house. I'm not going to give anything that's going to cost me nothing. When God the Father gave Jesus, it cost heaven the beauty of heaven to come to this earth for us to have salvation. Yes, salvation is free. But it's not cheap. And it's about this relationship. God is after that. He says, return to me and I'll return to you. It's all about the heart. Putting God first. Making a decision. Preparing your heart to say, God, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you 
first. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. So I want to close just with this. So the Bible says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. But we worship God in spirit and in truth. So whether you bring it to the storehouse, to church on a Sunday, whether you swipe your card or whether you do an EFT, you're doing it as unto the Lord. So when you do an EFT or swipe your card or bring the cash, it doesn't matter. You're giving it as unto the Lord. The methods might change, but the message will be the same. When you give it, you're giving it unto the Lord, saying, Lord, I know this is holy. I'm bringing it to you as I acknowledge you that this is the holy tithe that I'm giving to you. I know that holiness, that favor, that grace rests upon my finances. You'll be my shield. You'll be my protection. You'll rebuke the devourer because of me, Lord, because I've put you first. Selah. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.